Welcome in to the NARP Fantasy Football Podcast, Episode 2. I'm your host, Derek Logan. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be going through a rapid-fire rankings uh, segment today. And what does that mean? It means I'm going to go through all my top running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, and tight ends for the 2020 fantasy season. And I'm really excited because this summer, over the course of the summer, I worked on my own projections. I statted out every team in the NFL, and then I applied those stats to each player that's going to be relevant in fantasy and came up with the points that they're going to put up over the 2020 season. And that has a huge impact on on my rankings this year. And so when you hear that I'm ranking someone like, I mean, it's going to be obvious, Christian McCaffrey at number one, uh, that actually has some data behind it. I statted out his carries, his yards, his receptions, his receiving yards and touchdowns. And uh, I came up with a number for him over the year. And that's what landed him at number one. So keep that in mind while you're listening. Uh, This isn't just me saying who I like. It's who I actually did the work for and saw based on my statistical data uh, who is going to be number one through uh, however many running backs that I statted out. On today's show, I'm really going to be focusing on about the top 20 at each position, some more, some less. Uh, and if, you, if you're interested in seeing some of my other data or my other rankings, you can check out my Twitter account at NARPDAD, and that's, uh, again, at NARPDAD on Twitter uh, for my additional rankings that go beyond the top 30 up to about 50 at each position. So without further ado, I'm going to get right into it, starting with the running back rankings. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, I have Christian McCaffrey at number one. How dominant was Christian McCaffrey last year? Uh, How about he had 156.4 more points in PPR than the second most running back points? Uh, I'll, I'll actually say right off the bat that these are all going to be PPR rankings, full point PPR Uh, So if you're curious about half-point PPR or standard, you are going to have to take these with a little bit of a grain of salt, although a lot of them are still going to be similar. The biggest difference is going to be going from PPR to standard because guys like Derrick Henry are going to be better off in that format because uh, even though he doesn't catch a lot, he's not falling behind without those receptions. So so back on it, uh, number one, Christian McCaffrey, he had 156 more points than the second running back total, which was Aaron Jones. Uh, To put that in perspective, 157 points was the difference between RB2 and the 28th best running back. So I I don't know how else I can give you a picture of how good Christian McCaffrey is other than giving that statistic. And even if he does regress, which is to be expected for how dominant he was, he's still going to be so much better than everyone else. So I, I highly expect that if he's healthy, Christian McCaffrey will once again be the number one running back in fantasy. Coming in at number two, I have Alvin Kamara. This might be a little bit of a, of a saucy pick this year. A lot of people have Saquon ahead of him, but I think that uh, his potential in that New Orleans offense is superior to that New York Giants offense. He's a PPR machine. He's highly efficient with his touches. He's had 81 catches every single year he's been in the league, which is the past three seasons. He's he's definitely primed to score a lot more t- touchdowns this season. He only had six last year, and that'll definitely go up. Uh, he's a major weapon on that offense, and last year it turns out he played on a torn MCL and still was the RB9. So that that just puts into perspective how good Kamara is, and he should return to that form, and I have him ranked as the number two running back. Coming in at number three, I've got Saquon Barkley. He had a couple injuries last year, actually one major one, and he should bounce back to his rookie-level production with any luck. Uh, He finished the season really strong. If somehow you made the playoffs and you had Saquon as your RB1, then you might have won your championships because – he went off in the last couple of weeks. Uh, my big concern is the offense he's in. The Giants aren't, aren't probably going to be very good. Uh, so uh, he, he might be a little bit trapped in that offense, and his ceiling might be a bit lower because of the success of that offense. Also, I'm a bit concerned about his, his targets. He had 121 as a rookie, 
and that went down to 73. He did play uh, less. Uh, he he played three fewer games last year, but that's a bit of a concern that he's he's dropped almost 50 targets from his first to second year. At number four, I've got Dalvin Cook. When he's on the field, the talent and production is certainly there, uh, but that's if sometimes he's injured. Uh, last year, he was second in points per game at the position, but he did miss a few games, so that bumped him down in the rankings overall for the season. The biggest obstacles for Dalvin are going to be his ongoing contract issue and his threat of potentially holding in. Uh, what does holding in mean? It means that uh, he doesn't have much leverage to hold out during camp, but he could choose to skip games and not necessarily be penalized for it because of the way the collective bar bargaining agreement is in the NFL. Uh, and the other obstacle is obviously his health. He had a shoulder injury last year, which caused him to miss some games and, and fumble a few, few carries in games. And you should keep an eye on him early in the season to make sure that he's on the field. And one name to keep in mind with Dalvin Cook is Alexander Madison, who's going to be his top backup. Coming in at number five, I've got Ezekiel Elliott on the Dallas Cowboys. He is a, what you would call a bona fide bell cow back. He's in a productive offense in Dallas. He has no real injury history, and he's just a picture of consistency. Over, uh, over, the, over the last year, so last season, 2019, he had over 10 PPR points in 15 out of 16 games. So there's very few occasions where you're going to see Ezekiel Elliott bust. If anything, he's just going to be a reliable source of points throughout the year. Coming in at number six, I have Miles Sanders for the Philadelphia Eagles. The reason for his high expectations this year is the lack of competition in the, that backfield in Philly. Uh, right now in camp, he's currently week to week with a lower body, in, body injury, which we don't really know what it is, and they've been pretty coy about providing us details about that. But Coach Doug Peterson has said that he'll be fine and he should be ready for week one. I am a bit concerned by, by that. Uh, because of the lack of information on the injury, but we'll have to trust Coach on that. And uh, the reason also for Sanders being so high in the rankings is he's primed for a bell cow role this year as long as they don't sign a veteran that might take carries away from him. The only people behind him right now are Boston Scott, who's more of a satellite back, and then Corey Clement, who uh, was an undrafted free agent, Super Bowl hero, but he's never really been able to put a full season together. So the competition for Sanders is not really there, and he should be primed and ready for a breakout season. And that's why I have him at number six. At number seven, I have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, or CEH. He's a rookie running back, so that's the most concerning thing is you're buying in in probably the first round to a guy who's never seen an NFL field. Uh, however, he has high draft capital. Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Chiefs, asked the team to draft him. He he hand-selected him to be his running back. And then you had Damian Williams, who was the team's original starting running back, opt out of the season due to COVID-related reasons. And uh, so that makes CEH a primary three-down back in an amazing offense. So there's high hopes for him. However, with that lack of NFL experience, he is a bit risky and a little bit steep in price for me, even though I have him ranked at number seven. At number eight, I have last year's number two overall running back, Aaron Jones. The thing about Jones is that he was very boomer bust last year. He actually had five games last year with under 10 points in PPR, and then he had six with more than 20. So there wasn't much in between for Aaron Jones. It was either he was going off and potentially winning you the week, or he was just failing to really score much of anything. Uh, so that made him deceptively the number two ranked running back because of those blow-up games where he just had multiple touchdowns. Because of that uh, volume of touchdowns, he's probably set for some TD regression, especially uh, with second-rounder A.J. Dillon coming into town who might poach some touchdowns throughout the season. At number nine, I've got Austin Eckler. I think I might be too low on him. He's proven time and again that he's extremely skilled out of the backfield. Last year in 2019, he was the number four in overall running back points. He lines up all over the field. The team signed him to a good contract, 
they want to utilize him as a weapon and not necessarily define him as just a running back. But for me, the major concern with Eckler's production is his team's offense this season. They lost Phillip Rivers. They're in a bit of a rebuild offensively. Their defense is good. They're going to slow down the pace of the game, and it might uh, take away opportunities for Eckler this year. At number 10, I have Kenyon Drake for the Arizona Cardinals. Last year, he dominated once he got to Arizona in the middle of the season. He took over for David Johnson uh, and just went off consistently. And then the one thing I have concerns about is his injuries. Uh, recently, he was seen in a walking boot after practice during training camp. The coach said that was precautionary, but something to keep an eye on as the season approaches. And another concern I have about Drake is that he's never handled a bell cow workload. When he's given the opportunities, he's been amazing and great. But how long can he hold up in that primary three-down uh, role? And if he ever falters, you've got Chase Edmonds waiting in the wings, who is also a competent running back in his own right. So that was my top 10 running backs. Uh, I did promise to go through these quickly, so I'm going to go through the 11 through 20 relatively quickly. Uh, at 11, I've got Todd Gurley. He's moving to Atlanta Falcons. He should get most of the three-down work there. He's taking over for DeFonte Freeman, who was running back 20 last year, despite being pretty bad, honestly. Uh, Gurley should pick up more receptions this season to make up for probably a reduction in the 14 touchdowns that he had last season. Uh, there's always going to be those concerns about Gurley's knee, but he's always produced with, even with those concerns. So I'm not too worried about his knee unless something really serious happens. At number 12, I have Derrick Henry. I don't feel great about this because Derrick Henry's a really good running back, but the PPR format really kills his value. Uh, if he got those receptions, he'd easily be top five, but he's too reliant on touchdowns without those reception totals. And he has potential for huge multiple touchdown games, but he's always risky because if he just puts up 70 yards and no touchdowns, you're getting seven points. At number 13, I've got Lev Bell for the Jets. There's a lot of negative news around him right now that Frank Gore is outplaying him training camp. I still believe in Bell. He's a former top three running back in fantasy. He should score more touchdowns in New York this year and be more efficient given that he should have more consistency at quarterback and offensive line. Darnold missed some games last year, and they were just terrible at quarterback. And uh, Frank Gore and Adam Gase are my prim primary impediments that I see to Lev Bell's success. Go figure. I mean, Adam Gase just seems like a terrible coach, and Frank Gore is 37 or so years old. So I don't see why you would be putting Frank Gore out there when he's got a bona fide superstar in Lev Bell. At 14, I've got Josh Jacobs. He had a solid rookie year last year. The major question about him is whether he's going to pick up enough passing down work to return value on investment. He's being drafted pretty high right now, and I don't disagree with that, but I don't trust that he's going to get enough receptions to hold his value uh, because you're surrounding him with Jalen Richard returning, Lynn Bowden Jr., who got drafted, who's a receiving back and designated as a running back, and then you've got Theo Riddick, who didn't even play last year, but he is a satellite back who catches passes. And so if you have all those guys to put on the field, you might see Jacobs leave the field on passing downs. Uh, last year, he played through injury really well. So if he's healthy this year, he might be even better. But I'm not too sold on his potential, which is why I have him at 14. At 15, I've got Joe Mixon. He's got a new quarterback in Joe Burrow. He is a great runner. Uh, but sometimes he disappears in games, uh, as evidenced in the six games last year where he had under 10 points. He started out the year last year slow, which is a concern because you need him to start out well if you're drafting him that early, although he did end the season on a high note with over 20 carries in each of the last four weeks. At 16, I've got Leonard Fournette. The big question mark with Leonard is uh, will he get the passing work that he got last year? He had 76 receptions last year, which is crazy because he was never putting up remotely close numbers to that before last year. Now they've got Chris Thompson as a third down running back. They'll probably filter him in more on passing downs. Uh, he was quietly the RB7 last year, 
So if he puts up similar numbers, he's going to be a huge value because he's not highly regarded right now, and he's being called a bust in a lot of different circles. He only had one game last year under 10 points, which is uh, compared to Joe Mixon, who had six, uh, very consistent and potentially undervalued. At 17, I've got Nick Chubb. I'm lower on Nick Chubb than a lot of consensus out there. He's a pure runner, more like Derrick Henry than anyone who catches passes. He's not projected for a lot of receiving uh, work with Kareem Hunt there. He's reliable week to week, but he's definitely held back as long as Hunt is healthy and getting on the field. And he needs touchdowns just like Henry to stay valuable, and I just don't see it as much this year. At 18, I got David Johnson for the Houston Texans. I almost said Cardinals because he's been on that team for so long. The change of scenery might be good. He struggled last year, but he's going into an offense that had Carlos Hyde rush for over 1,000 yards. And uh, Carlos Hyde is, I would say, pretty washed up, even though he's been productive. And David Johnson might do better than him and stay on the field on third down occasionally, uh, unless Duke Johnson steals that role from him. At 19, I got Melvin Gordon. For Melvin, I want to play a little game, uh, a scenario. I'm going to give you two players. Player A had eight touchdowns and 34 catches in 16 games last year, and his ADP or average draft position is 14.5 overall, and he's got competitions for touch touches from a skilled running back. Player B had nine touchdowns and 42 catches in 12 games, and his ADP is 53.7 overall, with competition, of course, for touches from a skilled running back. Now, player A is actually Nick Chubb, and player B is Melvin Gordon, who is going much later in drafts and had a similar profile set to Chubb last year after he returned from that, that holdout. So I think Melvin Gordon could be a value. He's competing with Philip Lindsay, but I think there's enough uh, enough opportunities there for both to be productive, and Gordon is, I think, going to get the touchdown work. He missed four games last year because of that holdout, but otherwise he was healthy. And he was 14th in points per game among eligible running backs after he came back, which was better than Josh Jacobs, better than Todd Gurley, and better than Joe Mixon. So I think Melvin Gordon could be of a value falling to over 50 overall in drafts. At 20, I got Chris Carson for the Seahawks. I have a bit of concerns about his injury coming back from that hip surgery. He's a volume runner. He needs carries to be productive. He doesn't do a ton in the passing game. He has a big fumble risk. He got pulled from some games last year because of fumbling. And Carlos Hyde is in town now and could take away carries. Pete Carroll recently said that he wanted Hyde to be a main factor in the running game, and that could hurt Chris Carson. I'm not a big fan of him this year. Rounding out the top 30, I won't touch upon them too much. Uh, I've got Kareem Hunt at 21. David Montgomery, despite the injury, at 22. Tariq Cohen, his uh, running back mate in Chicago, at 23. 24, I have James Conner because he just can't stay healthy, I think. 25, I've got James White, the PPR machine. 26, I have the rookie Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts, stepping into a potential lead back role, but not too involved in passing, most likely. Devin Singletary is my 27th ranked running back. I'm worried about him losing work to Zach Moss. Uh, and then Tevin Coleman sandwiched at 28 between Zach Moss at 29, who I am really high on this year, and I think he could take a lot of work from Singletary and be a stud at the end of the year uh, going into the playoffs. At 30, rounding out the top 30, I've got Ronald Jones for the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, not much to say about Ronald Jones. He should be decent, but – you don't know what you're getting at, at that kind of range, so I'm not expecting too much big things. Ah, so that take a deep breath. That was my top 30 running backs. If you're interested in seeing my additional rankings, like 30 through 50, you can check out my Twitter at NARPDAD. But without further ado, I'm going to move on to the wide receivers. Starting at number one, he doesn't need much introduction. He was the best wide receiver last year. That is Michael Thomas for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, he set the record for the most receptions last year 
And I don't see Emmanuel Sanders as a threat for targets. So I believe if he stays healthy, Thomas will once again be the number one wide receiver in fantasy. At number two is Julio Jones. It feels like he's been at the top of the food chain for wide receivers for so long now. He's always consistent. He's in a pass-heavy offense. He's the, he's the volume king. He gets a ton of yardage and receptions each year. And whenever he gets a TD, it's a bonus because he's not that known for touchdowns. But when he does score one, it just takes him over the top. At number three, I have Devontae Adams. Uh, he's Aaron Rodgers' number one target, which used to mean a lot more, but it still does mean something. There's no other real weapons in that offense around him uh, because they didn't draft anyone in the draft at wide receiver. And then they lost Devin Funches to opting out for COVID reasons. So, I mean, surrounding Devonta Freeman, I mean, excuse me, Devonta Adams, uh, is basically nobody's. Uh, you've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling. You've got Alan Lazard, and that's about it. Uh, so I expect him to have a great year as long as he stays healthy. And that caveat goes with pretty much everyone in these rankings. At number four, this is going to be a bit of a surprise for some people. I've got DJ Moore for the Carolina Panthers. He's got a new quarterback, but I think he's primed for that breakout year. He's a high-volume receiver. He gets a ton of targets. He should be the safety valve for Bridgewater this year, uh, aside from Christian McCaffrey. He's got a high floor each week, as evidenced even last year. He only had three games uh, under 10 points in 2019. For context, Amari Cooper had six, so twice as many bus games as DJ Moore did. And he's certainly not as highly regarded as Amari Cooper as far as receivers go. At number five, I've got Chris Godwin. He's Tom Brady's new number one receiver. He's a skilled wide receiver, and I think that in this year, skill wins out, especially with very little training camp in preseason, and he's going to hit the ground running, being a productive receiver. At number six, I've got Kenny Galladay. A healthy Matt Stafford coming back. Uh, Galladay performed well, even with terrible quarterback play. Stafford is back. Kenny G's got high likelihood of double-digit TDs again, which is going to be good for fantasy. And he has the potential potential to take it to the next level if he can get more receptions. He was hovering around the 65 range last year, and if he can get about 80 this year, it, I mean, it'll only do so much more for his fantasy value. At number seven, I've got DeAndre Hopkins. Arguably, he's one of the best-skilled wide receivers in the NFL. However, he is going to a new team. He's got a young quarterback. They're, they're going to spread it out in that offense. He's probably going to get fewer targets. He, he was averaging, I think, about 150 targets in Houston before being traded to Arizona. So I think the likelihood is that his targets go down a bit and therefore his production. But he's still at number seven for me. At number eight, Tyreek Hill. A lot of people have him in the top five. I'm not one of those people. He missed four games last season. He has had an injury history. He's not the biggest. He's he's definitely a risk for those soft tissue injuries for how fast he runs. Uh, he's got a high floor, surprisingly. I was a bit surprised to see that because I thought he was so boomer bust, which didn't turn out to be too true. Uh, but he does have some low volume, even though he has the threat of scoring every time he touches the ball. It's very exciting to have Tyreek Hill on your team, but it, it can also be a bit stressful when he's not pulling down six to seven catches in any given game, and he's relying on about four. Uh, at number nine, I've got Robert Woods, Bobby Trees, as some are calling him. He's got strong PPR value. In standard, I would downgrade him a little bit. He's always perennially undervalued in fantasy. He doesn't need the touchdowns to be valuable. Case in point, he only had three touchdowns last year, two receiving, one rushing. He had 90 catches. And he was the wide receiver 14. So if he just scores three more touchdowns to six or so, I think he's going to be top 10. And that's where I have him ranked at number nine. At number 10, I've got Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So two receivers in the top 12 for the, that Tampa Bay team. He's basically a lock every year for 1,000 yards. But you don't always know when you're going to get those yards. Uh, for example, over 30% of his games – were under 10 points last year, and he had one where he played the whole game, and he had zero points. And I can speak to how frustrating that was because I had Mike Evans in a lot of leagues, 
and when he put up that goose egg, I was I was less than less than thrilled. Uh, and he had three games over thirty five points, but with but he had seven games under twelve and a half. So you don't know when you're gonna get it from Mike Evans. You've got to start him, but he can disappoint you. At number eleven is Allen Robinson. He is a target monster in Chicago, and he could be even better than last year with Nick Foles at the helm. Uh, he, I, I heard that the Bears have are not going to announce the quarterback until week one, so we don't know who that quarterback throwing to him is going to be. But he was quietly the wide receiver eight last season in PPR, and he's being drafted as the wide receiver 14. So I think he's a little undervalued, and I have him at 11. At 12, I have Cooper Cup. He's a touchdown machine. He was being undervalued in drafts, I think. He's being drafted at about wide receiver 19 on ESPN leagues after finishing as wide receiver 4 in PPR last season. Not to mention he was coming off an ACL injury and still put up wide receiver 4 numbers. So I am looking to get Cooper Cup in a lot of leagues because he's going to score touchdowns and he is a cost-effective wide receiver right now in drafts. At 13, I have DJ Chark. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you'll hear a little bit later on the quarterback rankings, but I do have Gardner up there for the Jaguars, and it makes sense that I also have DJ Chark highly ranked at 13. He's a potential breakout again this year. He surprised a lot of people. Pretty much went undrafted, but not so much this year. Uh, he has a chance at double-digit TDs, I believe, and a thousand yards. So that's a stud season for fantasy. And he's got his second year going in with Minshew. So he's got that relationship and rapport with him. And he's being drafted at wide receiver 27. So he's a huge value to me in drafts right now. Coming in at wide receiver 14, I've got Cortland Sutton on the Denver Broncos. Uh, he was disappointing, to be honest, in games that Drew Locke started. And that's who's going to be the quarterback this year. So... I don't know what to think about Cortland Sutton and his potential. He played a lot better with Joe Flacco. He's got competition now for targets with first-rounder Jerry Judy and a potential breakout tight end in Noah Fant. So we'll see what Cortland Sutton does. I'm pretty generous with his 14th ranking. I think it's pretty much across the board with a lot of other rankers out there. But uh, I don't have too much else on Cortland Sutton other than uh, we'll see how it goes. At 15, I've got Odell Beckham Jr., I think he's a real wild card at this point. He had a wildly disappointing season last year. He played hurt, but he played every game. He didn't put up the production that you wanted to see from him, especially given his draft value uh, in last year's drafts. He has wide receiver one upside, absolutely. I mean, he could even be the wide, the wide receiver one, like the number one overall if he puts it all together. And he's currently going at wide receiver 13. I'm a little bit lower on him than that, uh, but – I mean, to be your wide receiver one, that feels a little bit risky for me on a team unless you're going zero RB and selecting a bunch of wide receivers early in the draft. At 16, I've got Odell's teammate in Cleveland, Jarvis Landry. I think he's all reliable, to be honest. Uh, he's always a PPR value, always puts up receptions. He's never a sexy pick in drafts. No one really wants him, but he was wide receiver 12 last season. He's got the same quarterback. And he's being drafted at wide receiver 24. And I think that's criminally undervaluing Jarvis Landry and what he does on a season-by-season basis. At number 17, I've got that hot breakout pick, Calvin Ridley, for the Atlanta Falcons. He has a chance to join Julio Jones in the, the wide receiver one tier if uh, he continues to get those touchdowns. If he doesn't put up touchdowns, he's going to be a disappointment where he's being drafted uh, people are counting on him to break out, and there's certainly a possibility that he doesn't, and he just puts up the same numbers as last year, which is not going to make you happy with where you draft him this year. At 18, I've got T.Y. Hilton on the Indianapolis Colts. When he's healthy, and that's a big if or when, uh, he is a number one wide receiver. He's got a better QB this year than last year and Phillip Rivers, upgrading from Jacoby Brissett. And he could surprise a lot of people and bounce back this season, but he's shown time and time again that he's he's not durable. He gets hurt a lot. When he's available, he's great. 
but he's not available enough to be taking him early in drafts. Uh, I think he could be a value if he stays healthy, but that's tough to tough to predict at this point in his career. Number 19, I've got Juju Smith-Schuster. He had a very disappointing year last year. People hyped him up so much going in. He was getting picked in the first round in a lot of drafts, and he did not pay off on that draft capital. Uh, Big Ben is coming back this year. I think that had a lot to do with Juju's disappointing season. He had Mason Rudolph throwing to him and Duck Hodges, who are irrelevant, lower-than-average replacement quarterbacks. And as long as Big Ben's at full health, Juju will improve. But I haven't seen him produce yet without Antonio Brown, so I'm in a wait-and-see pattern with Juju, and I don't really want him on my teams this year. At 20, I've got Keenan Allen. No more Philip Rivers in Los Angeles. Uh, and the question is, can Tyrod Taylor sustain Keenan Allen's excellence? He's been a great wide receiver in the past, but he's not likely to have huge games for you. He's reliable enough to finish as a wide receiver one over the course of the season. But, I mean, from week to week, I don't I don't feel that great starting Keenan Allen as my wide receiver one uh, because he's going to be good at the end of the year, but he's not going to win you weeks, in my opinion. And that's disappointing. So that was my top 20 wide receivers. I'm going to quickly go through my 21 through 31. I get a bonus one at that top 30 because it's a pretty big name that I'm pretty low on, actually. Uh, at 21, I've got Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper is being drafted very highly this year, and I don't really get it. Uh, he's got more competition for targets than last year in C.D. Lamb. Uh, Michael Gallup pretty much outperformed him on a game-by-game basis when he was there and not hurt. And there's also a chance that Amari Cooper just doesn't show up. He has huge games at, at some points, and he could win you a week, but he could absolutely lose you a week. And I, I just have no interest. Maybe I'm biased because I don't like the Cowboys, but Amari Cooper just does not do it for me, and that's why I have him at, down at 21. At 22, I've got Devontae Parker. Devontae Parker won me some leagues last year, and I owe him a debt of gratitude. But when I started him out, I just, he just landed at 22, and so that's where he's going to be. It was his breakout year last year after quite a few disappointing seasons, and the big question is whether that breakout was legit. He's got not much competition at wide receiver in Preston Williams, uh, but he has Mike Kosicki there. You don't really know whose quarterback is going to be all year, whether it's Tua or Fitz. So that that downgrades Devontae Parker a bit from last year. At 23, I've got Marvin Jones. He always finishes better than where he's drafted, and that's pretty much all I have to say about Marvin Jones. Number 24, I am very low on Adam Thielen. He was hurt a lot last year, which made me a bit salty because I certainly had him in, in some leagues, and he disappointed me. Uh, but I think that he's going to struggle to to get production without Stephon Diggs in that offense anymore. And uh, Kirk Cousins is not going to throw it too much. They're going to run the ball down people's throats. And Adam Thielen, his production is going to suffer for it. At 25, I've got Tyler Boyd of the Cincinnati Bengals. The big question with Tyler Boyd is, will A.J. Green returning help him or hurt him? I don't think it's going to make too much of a difference if A.J. Green's back. Tyler Boyd has his role. He's going to run from the slot. He'll have a lot of catches. He'll have a decent amount of yards. He'll have some touchdowns. He's a solid wide receiver two or high end three. At 26, I have Julian Edelman. He just seems to not go away in fantasy. Is he Cam's new safety valve? Is he going to put up the numbers he did last year? He was actually really good last year without much fanfare. So I wouldn't mind having Julian Edelman as my wide receiver three this season. I think he's going to be a solid floor play every week. At 27, I'm also pretty low on Tyler Lockett, believe it or not. He's surprisingly consistent every year, but he always feels risky in my lineup. Whenever I put Tyler Lockett in my wide receiver position, I just don't feel good about it. It feels like he's going to bust, and I don't know, something about him just doesn't feel right with me, and that's why I got him at 27. And when I statted him out, the Seahawks are, should be they should be a run-heavy team, and so his opportunities are going to be lower than someone like uh, Calvin Ridley in a high passing volume offense. At 28, this might be a shocker for some people. It's Deshaun Jackson, Philadelphia Eagles. 
here's the thing. Somebody is going to be Carson Wentz number one target. And I think that's Deshaun. He is a deep threat. Uh, in the one game that he was healthy in last year, he had two touchdowns and over 100 yards, two big plays. He's apparently healthy this year again. So if he is on the field, he has every every chance of being at least a top 30 wide receiver. And that's where I have him at 28. At 29, I've got Marquise Brown on the Ravens. If the Ravens throw more, Hollywood, as his nickname is, stands to benefit. At number 30, I've got Terry McLaurin. I think Terry's a great receiver. I just think the offense is terrible, and that's why I'm so long, low on him at, at wide receiver 30. And finally, at 31, the bonus I've got for you is A.J. Brown. A.J. Brown also won me some leagues, so I, I like him as a player. But when I'm looking at what the offense in Tennessee is going to be, the volume just isn't there. Volume is king in fantasy. He's going to not he's not going to catch too many passes, I don't think. They're not going to throw it too much. They're going to rely on Derrick Henry. And it's just concerning for me. I don't think you can rely on him week to week just because there's games where he'll probably have three receptions for 40 yards, and that's it. So that concludes my wide receiver rankings. As I mentioned, between the running backs and wide receivers, if you want to see additional rankings, you can check out my Twitter at NARPTAD. Now I'm going to go into quarterbacks. At number one, I've got Lamar Jackson. Oh, shocker. Uh, he's He is the cheat code for a quarterback. He rushes the ball like crazy, over 1,000 yards rushing, led the league in touchdowns. And even if he regresses a bit to the mean, He's still arguably the number one quarterback between him and Patrick Mahomes. And uh, just to illustrate that point, last year the difference between quarterback one and quarterback two was the same amount of points as the difference between quarterback two and quarterback 13. So he was far and away the best quarterback in the league last year and a huge difference maker and league winner. Uh, If he's healthy, I think he's number one. At number two, I've got Patrick Mahomes. He, he, I think, is the best quarterback in the league, but not necessarily the best fantasy quarterback in the league. He's in the best offense. Uh, if he throws 50 touchdowns, he probably will be number one. However, not many people have done that, and so I'm not counting on him to throw 50 touchdowns, although if someone can do it, it is Pat Mahomes. At number three, I've got Deshaun Watson. He's got no more DeAndre Hopkins. However, I think he'll need to carry his offense and his team this year. And each week, I think he's a safe play. He has rushing floor, and he should throw a lot of touchdowns. At number four, I have Kyler Murray, second-year player for the Arizona Cardinals. He actually gained DeAndre Hopkins in his offense. And so he has better weapons than last year. He has more experience. He did have some bust games last year, and he wasn't the most consistent. However, his rushing production gives him a safe floor each week, and he has the potential to break out and go above and beyond and finish in that top three. At five, I've got Carson Wentz from the Philadelphia Eagles. He produced and threw for over 4,000 yards last year with practice squad-level wide receivers. Uh, To put that in perspective, he was the first quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards with no wide receivers over 500 receiving yards. He relied on tight ends and his his mismatched wide receivers from the practice squad, guys like Greg Ward, a converted quarterback. And Carson Wentz with his new weapons, all those guys they drafted, he could return to his 2017 MVP level, which would be great for fantasy. At number six, I have Russell Wilson. He was at QB3 last year, and that was because he had two huge weeks followed by five games overall under 15 points. So despite being quarterback three, he could lose you weeks last year, and his projected low-volume offense is a bit of a concern for me, even though he is one of the best quarterbacks from a talent level in the NFL. At number seven, I have Matt Ryan. I've said this before, but volume is king, and Matt Ryan is the king of volume. He throws a ton in that offense. He's got two good wide receivers, 
a running back with pass catching track record in Todd Gurley, and he's got a shiny new tight end in Hayden Hurst. And I think Matt Ryan is going to feast on defenses. They're not a good defense. They're going to have to throw, and he's going to to capitalize on that in fantasy. At eight, I have Dak Prescott. Last year, he played really well, and he finished at QB2. I just don't think the yardage and the touchdowns are going to be there for him this year. It's hard to repeat over 30 touchdowns and almost 5,000 yards. I think he'll regress a little bit. He's going to be playing uh, a tough schedule, I believe, this year. I mean, I know the Eagles' schedule is pretty tough, so that means Dallas Cowboys' schedule is pretty tough. And Dak, I think, will go down a bit in the rankings at quarterback. At nine, I have the Angels' Tom Brady. He's moving to Tampa Bay, TB to TB. And uh, he's got something to prove. He wants to show that it's not just Bill Belichick uh, responsible for his success. He has the best weapons he's had in years, potentially ever, and I think he'll play well. At number 10, I have Big Ben Roethlisberger. He's returning from an injury and surgery. Uh, but the year before, he was fantastic, albeit he had Antonio Brown. But I think he returns to form a bit this year, and I have him, him at number 10. At number 11, I have a pretty bold pick, Gardner Minshew for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He's my main breakout candidate at quarterback this year. He's someone I'm targeting late in drafts. I think he has high potential because of his rushing floor. I think he'll rush for some touchdowns. They're going to need him to be throwing a lot, being down with a bad defense. And I just think he also has uh, some magic in that mustache, and he's going to surprise a lot of people. Josh Allen for Buffalo is my number 12 quarterback. Reports are that he wants to rush less this season, which is bad news for fantasy because he's already in a low-volume passing offense. So if he doesn't have his rushing value, Josh Allen could be a bust at quarterback. At 13, I've got Aaron Rodgers. He used to be the pinnacle of fantasy quarterbacks. Everyone wanted him. People were drafting him in the first round. But now he's a boomer bust option at best. He's going to put up some huge games, but you don't know when they're going to be. And otherwise, he's probably just going to disappoint you if you pick him early in drafts. At 14, I have Drew Brees. Does he have one more QB one year left in him? Maybe. But for me, I think New Orleans is going to rush the ball a lot. His touchdowns in passing and his rate of touching, uh, throwing touchdown passes is going to go down. And therefore, his points are going to be lower. And... I think Kamara is going to take a lot of the touchdowns that Breeze otherwise would have thrown last year. At 15, I got Matt Stafford for Detroit Lions. He's on pace for a great season in 2019 before his season was derailed by injury. He showed throw a ton in that offense. He's going to throw a lot of touchdowns, but he doesn't really have the rushing floor. And so he, he has the potential for great weeks but his, his floor is a bit lower depending on how his team's playing. At 16, I've got Jared Goff. Last year, he looked pretty lost, but he finished still as the QB 13, so just outside of the top 12. And I think he'll rebound well. He had a low touchdown passing rate, which means that he should throw more touchdowns in 2020. And uh, he's got good weapons around him. He's got Cooper Cup. He's got Robert Woods. He's got an, uh, a couple new running backs to work with. He's got Tyler Higby fresh off the breakout at the end of the year. And I'll be excited to see how Goff rebounds because he's someone I might be targeting late in drafts. At 17, I've got Daniel Jones for the Giants. He has a brutal opening schedule, so he probably will start out slow. If you're counting on him to be your starter, I, I wouldn't because he's probably going to start off pretty poorly. And he has a potential for the breakout. Some people are excited about him. I'm not really that person, so I have him at 17. At 18, I've got Jimmy G, Jimmy Garoppolo. Not much to say about Jimmy G. He is efficient. He'll throw some touchdowns, but he's in a run-first offense, and he'll rely on touchdowns to get it done. His yardage is not going to be up there with the elite. At 19, I have Joe Burrow. I thought, based on satting him out, that I would have him higher because he does have some rushing floor. He should throw a decent amount of touchdowns with that offense, and he has the potential to break out with the good people around him. 
But I don't know. Some when I did the Bengals offense, Joe Burrow ended up at 19. And I don't have a problem with that because I am intrigued in picking Joe Burrow in two quarterback or super flex leagues late. At 20, rounding out the top 20, I have Cam Newton. He's one I couldn't really figure out. I don't know what Bill is going to do with him in that offense. Can he stay healthy? Is he fully healthy? Uh, that's the big question. Carolina basically threw him out. So we'll see how the Patriots rejuvenate his career. Because before that, he was a perennial top five quarterback. And uh, it'll be exciting to see what Cam does. I'm just not sold on his fantasy value in New England. I'll go over five names real quick uh, to round out my top 25. And they are Ryan Tannehill at 21. Low volume offense, tough to predict. Kirk Cousins, again, low volume offense uh, in the passing game at 22. Teddy Bridgewater, 23. I have DJ Moore as a breakout, but I don't know how many touchdowns he's going to throw necessarily, and they're going to be playing from behind and probably throwing, but Teddy Bridgewater is a bit of an unknown, and that's why I have him lower at 23. 24, we have everyone's darling from last year, Baker Mayfield for the Cleveland Browns. I'm rooting for the guy. I don't have any problem with him. He's in all those commercials, but I just don't see him putting up stats that are good enough to be worthwhile playing in fantasy unless you have a great matchup that week. And finally, at 25, I've got Dwayne Haskins for the Washington football team. I'm rooting for that guy, too. He's got Terry McLaurin, a young young weapon in Terry McLaurin. And Dwayne Haskins was a winner in college. And uh, he could be good, but I don't really see it yet. He's He's very raw for a prospect. So there you have it, my quarterback rankings. And finally, I'm going to go over quickly my tight end rankings for this year in PPR. At number one, I've got Travis Kelsey. Still number one after all these years. Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes, one of his favorite targets, probably the 1B to Tyreek Hill's 1A. He's always a solid option if you want to go tight end early. I don't particularly do that often because I don't – I don't think it's always worth the cost, but if you think it is, then Travis Kelsey may be your man. At number two, I've got George Kittle. I think George Kittle could be just as good as Travis Kelsey this year, and uh, he could break out. There's a lot of issues with the wide receiver core in San Francisco right now with injuries to guys like Jalen Hurd, Debo Samuel. So George Kittle has very little competition for targets. And he breaks tackles like crazy. He's so hard to get down, and he's really fun to watch. At number three, Darren Waller, Las Vegas Raiders. He should see a bunch of volume again this year. And even if it dips a bit, he should make up for it with more touchdowns. He only had three last season, and despite that, he finished as the tight end three in PPR. And I think he has the, every chance to do that again this year. At number four, I've got Mark Andrews for the Baltimore Ravens. He's a TD-dependent machine, but he always seemed to come through with a touchdown. Uh, he had 10 last year, which is great for fantasy. He should excel again in that Ravens offense. He's one of Lamar Jackson's top targets. And Lamar had 36 touchdowns last year, with 10 of them going to Andrews. And you might see that ratio repeat itself again in 2020. At number five, I have Zach Ertz for the Philadelphia Eagles. He always seems to lead that receiving core decimated by injuries seemingly every year. If the wide receivers stay healthy, however, Ertz could regress and make him not worth his draft capital in fantasy. At six, I have Evan Ingram. When he's healthy, he's great, but that's a big when or if. Uh, he was seventh in points per game at tight end, not overall when he was healthy. But the trouble is he's often not on the field, and you have to you have to boil that into his potential when you're drafting Evan Ingram. At number seven, I have Mike Gesicki. There's a stack going around that he didn't break any tackles last year, which I find hard to believe, but I guess I'm not the expert in that. But this guy's a tank. He's talented. He's a breakout candidate to me in an offense that should be playing from behind and throwing a ton. And he was the tight end 12 last year. I believe Mike Kosicki improves on that standing, and I have him at seven. At number eight, I have Jared Cook 
He is one of the old elder statesmen of the tight end position. His TDs are likely to decrease. He had nine last year on only 43 receptions. And I think I will not be drafting Jared Cook. His price is too too rich for me, given that he should regress. At number nine, I've got Hayden Hurst. He's in the Atlanta offense now, replacing Austin Hooper. He has the potential to break out in that offense. He was a high-drafted player for Baltimore before he signed with Atlanta, and he's stepping into a role that made Austin Hooper the third in points per game at the position last year. So he has every opportunity to excel. At number 10, I've got TJ Hawkinson for the uh, Detroit Lions. I feel like I just said that with a very Philly accent. Uh, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, he flashed his potential in 2019 in week one and then basically fell off for the rest of the year, which disappointed a lot of people. And I think a lot of people haven't forgiven him for that week one, uh, that flash in the pan. And I have forgiven him, and I think TJ has a good chance to be this year's Mark Andrews if he can put together some touchdowns. At number 11, I have Tyler Higby. He broke out at the end of 2019 season and won some people championships for sure, and I think for that reason he's being really highly drafted at tight end. I'm not sure if he's able to repeat that consistency, uh, so I don't think I'm in on Tyler Higby even though I have him as the 11th ranked tight end. And finally, at number 12, I have Dallas Goddard, Philadelphia Eagles. He is the top backup, you could say, in the league behind Zach Ertz. However, he's he's uh, just a valuable option, even with Ertz healthy. He was the tight end 10 last year, despite competing with Ertz at tight end. And if Ertz were to ever go down, Goddard immediately becomes a top five tight end option. So if you're thinking about drafting a backup tight end, Dallas Goddard is a good choice as any to pick. And then finally, rounding out the top 15, I'll just throw some names out there. I've got Jack Doyle at 13. Uh, he's been good in the past, and I don't really know what happened to him, but he could score some touchdowns, put it together some good weeks. You could fill him in on the bye weeks if you need him. And number 14, I've got Noah Fant in Denver. He's going to be competing with Cortland Sutton and, and Jerry Judy and K.J. Hamler for targets. He has big playability, but I just don't think the volume is going to be big enough to sustain week-to-week -week value in fantasy. And lastly, Hunter Henry at 15. Uh, that offense in Los Angeles just terrifies me. I don't think they're going to be good. And so Hunter Henry's fantasy value is going to suffer from it. So I think I've got in under an hour, which is exciting because I ranked all the top 20s of every position. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you got some good information about each player that I ranked. Again, if you want to check out my extended rankings that goes beyond top 30, top 20, you can find me on Twitter at NARPDAD. Uh, thanks for tuning into the show. Good luck on your drafts. We've got a lot of drafts coming up the next week. So best of luck on those. If you're competing against me in those drafts, worst of luck. Don't take my players. But uh, I'll catch you later. And, and this has been the NARP Fantasy Football Podcast, and I am your host, Derek Logan, signing off.